Hey there, listeners. Welcome again to another episode of The Anti-Podcast, where I, Kevin Kelly, interview people who have found success outside the mainstream way of doing things. Uh, Today's episode marks the 10th since I've been doing it, and it was uh, a pleasure of mine to have my good friend Mike Spikowski back in, the first and the 10th guest, to talk about what has happened since the podcast started way back in May. Um, We get into kind of my feelings about doing interviews, uh, the, the, the meaning behind doing a podcast, how I've enjoyed it or haven't enjoyed it, the amount of work that it takes. You know, we touched on a couple snippets, but we made it to 10 and that's kind of the big deal. I mean, not really, but you know, it hasn't just drifted off into nothingness. Uh, the apathetic uh, ability to put these out or inability rather has subsided. I'm enjoying it all the time not focused on making money, just focusing on having curiosity and interesting people that I can interview. Some of you may remember, probably not, that I was going to have Mike back for the 11th podcast to kind of survey the 10 that I've done, but the 10th podcast that I've been sitting on since uh, June or May of, la- of earlier this year, my uh, the, the, the good friend of mine that I interviewed isn't really visible on the internet in any sort of way. And we touch on a lot of things that are very personal for him. And he didn't just want to put those out willy nilly into the internet without having any sort of, um, you know, control over his uh, personality and his personal brand, I guess you'd say. Uh, he, He has a super interesting story and I really hope to put it out someday because I do think that that episode is basically the entire reason that I started up this podcast in the first place. His story is so interesting and so unique. I won't sell it anymore because it's not coming out anytime soon, but hopefully within uh, you know the next six months or so, maybe a year, we'll eventually get that podcast out there because it is simply put the best one that I've done so far. And it's just, you know, burning in my, burning in my back pocket that I can't spin that one and publish it and show it to you guys. But that is how it is. And I respect his wishes and I want him to feel comfortable about it before I put it out there. I'm in the process of getting the podcast into a better state constantly, uh, refining the audio quality, refining how I interview people. I appreciate any sort of feedback. Uh, even if you don't regularly listen to podcasts, Anything that you think that you should or shouldn't tell me, just fire it my way. I'm always interested to hear uh, things that you thought were interesting or boring or or unnecessary or super necessary. Um, we talked in this podcast a lot about design becoming a trade versus an art form. It's very interesting. We kind of dive into how the elements of design, things that were overlooked at one point, are now becoming focused on. Um, one reference I make in this is that Virgil Abloh's Ikea receipt rug is kind of one of those situations. A lot of brands are now putting things that were formerly on the tag of a shirt onto the front of a shirt. And we kind of take a little look at that and analyze it a bit further. A friend of mine actually sent me a quote. This is from Eric Suture over at Bruton Struby that really uh, resonated with me. It's from Brian Eno. He said, whatever you now find weird, ugly, uncomfortable, and nasty about a new medium will surely become its signature. CD distortion, the jitteriness of digital video, the crap sound of 8-bit, all of these will be cherished and emulated as soon as they can be avoided. It's the sound of failure. 
So much modern art is the sound of things going out of control, of a medium pushing to its limits and breaking apart. The distorted guitar sound is the sound of something too loud for the medium supposed to carry it. The blues singer with the cracked voice is the sound of an emotional cry too powerful for the throat that releases it. The excitement of grainy film, of bleached out black and white, is the excitement of witnessing events too momentous for the medium assigned to record them. Brian Eno, that was back in 1995. Something I think about a lot in terms of design and and music and everything that I do. You know, is it is it is it need to sound crystal clear all the time, or should we hear the truck driving by outside when we're doing this podcast? And I've come to feel that they have kind of, sort of a novel aspect to them. You know, I'm doing these now out of my garage studio, or formerly a garage. Now it's my studio where I do client work and podcast recording. And uh, I kind of like the aspects of it. Maybe there's a slight echo to this room that you might pick up on sometimes. And instead of trying to get it so perfectly sealed off and audios leveled up to where you can hear it crisp as day, I like some of these artifacts slowly leaking into the sound of the podcast. And that quote is awesome. So thanks for that, Eric. Uh, Mike is back. Mike Spikowski, owner of Atomic Dust. He comes and we talk about a bunch of shit just kind of joke around a little bit. It's really just kind of a, a, a check-in, you know, not too long. I think it's about 90 minutes. And we touch on a couple different things, uh, especially on the local uh, register. Tom Townsend of Rogers Townsend passing away. The St. Louis stories here and there. Some other more lighthearted things that we've been experiencing this past year. It's a good time. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is episode 10 of the Anti-Podcast. Michael. Hello. Take two. We're back. 2.0. We did it. I did it. You made it. You made it around the world and back. Yes, I have. You're right back to nowhere. I've done 10 podcasts at least. I've got three in the can. Starting to put out a couple a week, hopefully, moving forward. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's fun. What have you learned? Um, Let me turn off this heat real quick. I have learn uh no subtle subtle things like just refining how i communicate and how i verbalize oh, thoughts oh god uh oh watch this we cut yeah we're good oh, i ruined my job how to uh <laughs> record properly <laughs> sometimes uh but no just like f- uh, listening back to myself talking to people and how i formulate thoughts and making sure that there's not any weird pauses or breaks or that it sounds interesting and that I am interesting and like refining the conversation constantly. Have you got used to the sound of your own voice, which most people say closer, uh, kind it's like kind of going into the background now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as perturbed and annoyed by it. It's good all the time, but it's taken a while. You can always take vocal training. Yeah. Here, so come closer. It's just bit. one idea. <laughs> Let me just put this microphone in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I'm not going to do vocal training. Have you? Uh, have you? How do you measure the success of the project? M- measure. 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 How do you measure it? I guess by listens, yeah, and downloads and streams. But at the same time, I'm not really. Yeah, of course, I'm making something. I want people to listen to it. Um, and I can number that, and that's in the couple of hundreds per each episode. 
So I think that's decent for starting off. That's great, yeah. Um, but then even just talking to people randomly, like, oh, I picked up that podcast with Michael Eastman, or I picked up that one with Adrian. Or, it's cool. Yeah. Or Mike Spikowski. And, oh, that's, uh, that's the best one. Yeah, it yeah. is. I'm biased. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's fun because it's just this ongoing process of having fun with friends and catching up with their lives and making it accessible to other people. So what number is this one? This, to be. E- either 10 or 11. I have a friend, you know, I, I knew we said it would be 10th or it doesn't really no, fucking no. matter. Right. But I have a friend who I recorded and he is listening to it and trying to give me the thumbs up. And it's not even controversial in any sure. respect. It's nerve. It's kind of nervous though. You know, like, what did I say? And oh, yeah. I can yeah. And he's just, it. his story is so interesting um, that he just wants to, he doesn't have really any kind of online presence. Yeah. And so he is just making sure that he's cool with everything that he's saying. He's very smart, very calculated. Um, so if he gives me the thumbs up, I'll try and get that one out ASAP. Cool. And then this was basically the recap. That's great. And you've listened to every pod. No, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> every, it's every one, every one. It's funny. I, I bet like the people, uh, each each guest, I guess, has probably their own audience. And it's with your range of, of people you've interviewed, it's, it's probably completely different for everybody. Yeah, it kind of grows organically in that respect. Um, and then, you you know, it's just, but I, you, I don't necessarily really care about that. Yeah. I mean, I guess I do because I'm packaging it up and giving it a name and trying to tell interesting stories and get interesting interviews. But, um, you know, like social media, I think if you care about it too much, then it starts to lose a kernel of authenticity to it. And it just feels a little forced or a little pushed or like, like that I'm really trying to get new business for my design studio or something. That will never happen. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want new business. Now it's going to pour in now that you don't want it. Well, that, that did happen back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Here, it's the same this. I'm just trying to get everybody to hear you. You're sitting up a little too erect. And well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm edge of my seat here. It's exciting. Here. I'm going to put a Bible underneath <laughs> <laughs> so, so we can hit your mouth hole. I'm literally right like talking on top of a Bible. It feels weird. <laughs> very, uh, I, sh- I feel like it should be very honest. Yeah, you have to. You have to swear on everything yeah. that you're about to say. Exactly. Exactly. I had a. Uh, I was cleaning out my my uh, uh, closet, I guess, and I had a, a <laughs> Bible from my childhood that I couldn't bring myself to throw away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like illustrated. It's like okay. Oh anyway. my, I was just talking about this last night. Yeah. Oh, really? In a podcast. Thrown away Bibles? No. My. <laughs> This Bible I had was an illustrated Bible and the cover was like a denim, faux denim cover to it. Okay. It's probably the same illustrated Bible. Um, And I read the whole thing because it's not really hard to read. And my mom would then go around saying, oh, Kevin's read the whole Bible. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) When in reality, I read like this giant graphic novel uh, that wasn't even that, you know, it's the, not even the cliff notes. There's a flood. It's like the graphic cliff notes of the Bible. It's perfect. That's all yeah. you need. You know? Well, I just needed the praise and esteem from my mother at a young age to boost uh, my morale as a youngin. 
It, it works. And now you have a podcast. <laughs> it's like dominoes. Mom still loves it. <laughs> F words and all. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it is funny. It's um, having um, friends and family members listen to it. And they're telling me things like, oh, I finally get why you think that way. Oh, that's cool. Or, think, or why you have that mindset about something. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because people don't want to listen to you when you're actually talking to them, but they'll listen to you when you're talking to somebody else. It's a third party. Isn't it? It's, I guess it's yeah. super fascinating to like, well, just, you know, it, it, it's cool that, um, I don't know when you're talking at someone or talking to someone and trying to tell them what it is that you think about something, they're less interested. But if they're, if they're like the fly on the wall in a conversation, then they're, they're more about it because they could play it at double speed. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not the family members. No. Oh, okay. I have tried doing podcasts at double speed or one and a half. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so anxiety, like so anxious. I listen to audiobooks at like 1.25. I think it's the mm-hmm. perfect. That the could perfect be. Speed, yeah. But, um, so you listen to it a fourth faster than you would. Yeah. If not, if once you turn it off, it's so slow. It yeah. just seems like does life seem so <laughs> pages of words. Um, yeah. I don't know. So are you going to continue the project? Are you going to keep making more podcasts? Yes. Yeah, selfishly. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I've already got a bunch scheduled. A lot cool. of, uh, I have an archeologist coming up. Really? Who is, uh, how'd you dig them up? It's, you know, the, the, oh God. It's an archeologist joke. Man, and yeah. you made a bunch of jokes in the first interview that we did that I didn't. You got to slide them in. I know. You Jesus slide them in. I know. That's <laughs> uh, that's what Mike said. Um, friends of friends, you know, just networking, people listening to it, I guess, and telling other people and say, oh, like Eastman has this buddy he wants me to interview, and um, um, it just yeah, people listening to it and say, oh, you should do it, or I'm just have a good conversation with somebody, and I'm like. Hey, we should record the next conversation that we have. Yeah. And so I got uh, Bob Brazell from Bird and Barrel. Oh, cool. Yeah. David just, Choi. He, uh, I think he just got signed on. I might have this wrong. Yeah. Podcast world, but he got signed on to uh, open a restaurant at the Chase or something. Well, I think he and two other partners are taking on the Tenderloin Room. Yeah, that's at the right. Chase. That's right. Yeah, I just I just glanced at that. Uh, I think earlier this morning. This, yeah, and I don't yeah. know that. I'll have to ask him the specifics about how that stuff works. But uh, I've only interviewed one food oriented person, and you know we were good friends to begin with. But I just find that they're pretty funny, uh, regardless. Food people, like restaurant people, just chefs and 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 people that have you know, work with their hands and work with customers and, you know, they, they're just a little more uncensored. It seems like. Did I ever tell you I was 1994 pasta house company cook of the year? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I was proudly. <laughs> maybe, I a, maybe I briefly in the last podcast. Yeah. I have a certificate and everything. Did you frame it? You know, it's in a, it's in a cardboard tube. I got to get a frame. <laughs> I don't know where I could get a, uh, something worthy of the caliber of award that is. But, uh, 1994 yeah. cook of the year. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. It's got a ring to it. It's it, uh, uh, that's, that's some employee morale right there. Oh yeah. Do you give out some more awards at atomic dust? No, no, <laughs> there, there are no, no awards really. Most improved designer. <laughs> Best use of rectangles. <laughs> 
you give it to yourself. <laughs> and uh, I won this one again yeah, exactly. this year, guys. Yeah. I made it blue. <laughs> I just started watching The Office for the first time ever. Okay. The first time. Okay. That's funny to me. Yeah. Because it seems like so. Well, I don't like sitcoms. And uh, I started watching the first six episodes just on a whim. And those first six episodes are so so funny compared to the first season. So like the pilot season is just six episodes, and I guess the first season is oh, fourteen. Okay. Yeah. But in the first six uh, episodes, like Michael is gelling his hair right over his thinning part, <laughs> and the things he say says are just so funny. And then I feel like it gets a little more network television in the first season. Or second season, I guess it would be. You know, I've seen so many. I don't even know what episodes are in order yeah. or any of that stuff. I haven't seen it linearly in, in years. But uh, uh, there was this episode about a fire drill mm-hmm. that uh, where they Dwight fakes a fire in the office or causes like a fire. And my kids crack up. I mean, they, they <laughs> pee their pants laughing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, too, because it's like in the age of... Uh, Wokeness, it was pretty not woke of a show, <laughs> you know, but it is at the same time. Yeah. I think all humor is risk, right? So yeah. like the, the funnier it is sort of the more risky it is and how people can interpret it. But, uh, some of the best jokes are just risk, you know, but I don't know. I'm not saying it should, they should be on PC. I just mean, uh, sometimes the office just, just went for it, you know? Yeah. It's so good. I'm enjoying it too. I was crying in the first few episodes. Uh, a, a friend of mine loves sitcoms. Unlike you, he loves sitcoms <laughs> because there's no like stress or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so every night he, uh, he sleeps to like old episodes of cheers. It's That's, like, as soon as I hear that music, I just start like zoning off to bed. So oh man. That reminds me of being a kid. Cause that would come on. I'd yeah. be tired and my parents would let me watch it. And then when mash came on, that oh my god when mash came on you knew it was late it was, yeah it's it was like all right kevin time to go to bed yeah. <laughs> the last episode of mash was crazy but it anyway haunted me as a child we don't have to talk about it the podcast just look it up all right it's, all right it's really uh i'll pretty, link to pretty it. morbid yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely link to the last episode of mash on youtube so it's, what's new man what's new with you uh, nothing. I keep, nothing. I keep having to move your mic so that. You, yeah, I know you keep like. I, I'm just got to be centered this on this thing. No, and, no, don't dodge it. This yeah, is happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nothing. Uh, how's how's your project? summer been? <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been good. Um, we are busy making stuff. We uh, at any time I have about probably twelve or fourteen projects going on. So it's some are just starting, some are ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but creatively, I mean, we've had some really, um, some cool outlets, you know, and, um, uh, uh, what's the biggest project so far this year or the one that you think will kind of represent the year the most, man, that's heavy. I don't know. Like Science I, center. Well, that was last year. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, I actually, yeah, I, think I thought it, it was launch or we worked on the thing for over a year. So I, my timeline's a little. Mm-hmm. shaky of when it, when we were done versus when it went live or when it went right done. it's kind of murky um we're working on this cool thing um down in the grove called recess which is a like a hundred thousand square foot mm. warehouse they're converting into like this indoor sort of mm-hmm. yard sports uh bar thing so that's kind of cool 
Um, and then we're doing like some super corporate um, conversion focused work that doesn't sound like anywhere near as entertaining as like a giant bar, but in a, in a, in a different way, it's really satisfying to like use financial strategy to, to, <laughs> to, uh, uh, improve things. So it's kind of cool. Is, uh, is it like one is maybe more satisfying from a business perspective and the other is more satisfying from a creative outlet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, but it, but also, it all depends. Mm-hmm. Really, it's it's cool to help people. Like when people are, are nice and, and appreciative and uh, collaborative, that's that's great. And so that that I mean, it sounds cheesy, but that in, in itself is a huge reward. Or be able to work with cool people who just want to make cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, monetarily, uh, I mean, giant corporations usually have bigger budgets, and, and yeah. Uh, but I mean, small scrappy startups are a lot of fun too. Um, as long as they're, as long as they're, you know, they want to do something that that aligns with what we want to do. Sure. Um, usually hit it off pretty well. No, definitely. And a bunch of restaurant work too that, I don't know what, if you can talk about any of it, but. Uh, I don't, I don't know what I could talk about really. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're working together, which is kind of fun. Yes. We're working together on a, a, a piece for mm-hmm. a restaurant identity. Uh, Tempest, mm-hmm. which is uh, coming up to a Ben Groupie uh, project down in the Grove. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure when it will open, uh, but it's always fun. You know, it's cool to have um, networks of friends to reach out to and say, hey, we need, do you know anybody that can do this or let's work yeah. together and do this? And uh, yeah, so I don't know, but it's been a really good year and a good summer. And, um, you know, the fourth quarter for us is usually just stressed out and busy and piled because everybody wants to like launch shit before Christmas yeah, or, or before the end of the year and mm-hmm. there's vacations and travel and all that stuff. And, uh, we're taking the company to Mexico again. So it's kind of fun. What part? Uh, Cancun. Oh, okay. Uh, we've been there a couple times before. To a resort? Yeah. Which yeah, one? Yeah. Uh, is it Barcelo? Got, it's got an X in it. No, it's <laughs> called Barcelo. No X's. Um, yeah, but so it's just it's just scheduling and hectic and families and I'm traveling Friday to North Carolina for uh, uh, my 12 year old son's lacrosse tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey. lacrosse. Trapping, you're prom- you're promoting your son's lacrosse yeah, tournament. <laughs> exactly, I'm promoting it. So it's a it's a big deal. And he wants to wear a tie on the plane, so I have to get a tie because he says well, you guys got to fly to this. Yeah, we got to fly. Wait, West, it's Wisconsin. Uh, no, uh, North, uh, North Carolina, North Carolina. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I heard I Wisconsin. Dakota? I don't know. No, it's North Carolina. So it's, it's, it's either 12 and a half hour drive or yeah, flight, my so sister lives there yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. But he wants to wear a tie on a plane. Cause he says it's a business trip. <laughs> Cause he's there to work. <laughs> this is Miles? No, this is Ian. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. sounds like such a <laughs> mild statement. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's got it. That's but, better than the alternative of, uh, I just want to wear my jogging pants and, you know, a hoodie. It's true. That's, which that's is more pretty, my style. Which is what everybody wears on planes nowadays. It's their breakaway, though. It's yeah, secret. I mean, you're old enough to remember the time of, like, wanting to dress up to People go on a... People would get dressed up to yeah. go on a plane. I remember <laughs> uh, my buddy James's mom used to work for TWA, mm. and she would get us all these, like, cheap flights and mm-hmm. stuff, but she would she would remind us that we needed to dress up. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we, yeah, I mean, yeah. we'd shave before you got on the plane, and it was, like, a big deal. <laughs> my yeah. oldest um, friend... 
his dad was a TWA pilot. Oh yeah. And I want to, I think I want to have him on just like kind of talk about the glory days of doing TWA. Or the glory days of St. Louis. <laughs> I mean, we used to have like businesses and stuff. And, you yeah. Know, like we, we used to a, have a, a these, international these, hub airport. Yeah, used to, I used to fly from St. Louis to London and it was, it was awesome. You but, did? Yeah. Oh yeah. For work? Uh, no, I, um, I went there for fun twice, oh, Okay, but, uh, but yeah, it was like right from St. Louis to London. Yeah. It was dude. great, but well, it's kind but of be- not anymore. Well, it's kind of becoming a hub for Southwest. Oh yeah. Definitely. I think so. Um, what's the, what the hell is going on with all the like privatization of the airport? Do you know? Uh, no, if it doesn't involve, yeah, I have no, it's out of, it's out of my <laughs> wheelhouse. It's out of my, uh, I have to get, uh, Michael expertise. Allen on here. Or he, he could tell you. Lida Cruson. Yeah. I got it. Well, next, you know, call her. <laughs> Lida, what's up girl? I'd love to get your opinion on air travel. <laughs> Do you know her? At no, all? no. I, I, I don't get invited around a lot. I don't either, but I've met her once. Um, on a ghost ride, bicycle ride. Oh, really? And this was probably, well, I don't Did she, she like yell and say, get off my lawn? She wasn't or? on the ride. Oh, okay. But we stopped at this bar um, in South City that is like in an old one room house. I can't remember what it's called. It's like super South City. Okay. And um, on that ride, and on many rides, every time there's a jukebox, I go in and I pick two songs. Okay. Pe- oh, this is good. I can't wait. Peaches, Fuck the Pain Away. Okay. Do you know that song? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't, but link to away. it. We'll link to it. Fuck the Pain <laughs> Away. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a great song. No. And then Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, the, oh you're playing the, the hits. Yeah. 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 You know, just like probably the most shocking um outrageous songs that you could play on a jukebox. So we pull into this very tiny bar and this was before the election or anything. She wasn't the mayor yet. And I walk straight in and it's just a bunch of old grumpy blue collar white people. I put on peaches, the party gets started, the bicyclists <laughs> come in, start dancing and Lida goes out. <laughs> she's, she's gone. She was right out the door, but she, she was very nice. She was pumped that uh, there was a bicycle group and uh, that they were in St. Louis, an alternative means of transportation it's, uh, evening party. It's very popular. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I met Mayor Francis Slay? No. I was, uh, I was in Soulard at Mardi Gras. Yeah. And we did some, uh, I think we did a website or something for them. For the Mardi Gras par- uh, parade? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Years <laughs> ago. And so the website, or the, uh, they gave us these VIP tickets to this tent. Yeah. And you go in the tent and there's like, all you can drink and all you can eat and all this stuff. And, and so, uh, you know, we have a couple of hurricanes or food <laughs> and all this stuff in, in walks Mayor Francis Slay and his entourage. And so I felt like I, I had to introduce myself. <laughs> and so I walk up to him. Do you have a hurricane uh, mustache? I probably did. Like a Kool-Aid, <laughs> Kool-Aid mustache, just super powdery, strawberry. <clears throat> Um, but I walk up to him and I say, hey, how you doing? I'm hey, Mike. Slay. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Spakowski. Uh, so let me ask you, and I've been wondering this, like you're the mayor and shit, right? And this is what I said. That was a quote. Uh, so you're the mayor and shit. Like you must be really good at SimCity. 
Like, I don't even know why you have an election. You just have like you a, said this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should just guys don't even have an election. Just have a tournament, you know, and see who could win. And then all of a sudden, his bodyguards just sort of like stood in front of him. And then I, uh, that was the end of our conversation. <laughs> Did but he respond? He just he laughed, and it was funny. But it was, uh, like the, he probably didn't even know what SimCity is. For, yeah, I, well, you know, it's a thing. You should, <laughs> you should know, especially if you're the mayor. It's a city simulator. Did you ever meet any of the other mayors? Oh uh, no. I met uh, Shamel. Oh yeah. When I was in like third grade, <laughs> you know, we're just talking about mayors we've met. Yeah. No big deal. Oh, Vince Shamel, <laughs> uh, Freeman Bosley Jr. Yeah, never met him. I never met him either. Kind of before my for my my time. Do you uh, you think you might be mayor someday? No, only in SimCity, <laughs> possibly. Who uh, who who? Do you although, think? who knows? Yeah. Eric I mean, Toki. after let's see how this podcast goes. I think Eric Toki could be the he next could be mayor. mayor. He could be the mayor. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd do it though. Probably, probably not. But <laughs> he, yeah, he'd be great. Uh, yeah, I think he's very friendly, and he he kind of has. He's like the mini mayor of Midtown. He yeah, he is for yeah. sure. He needs a better like mayor Oriole hat, you know, because people mayor Oriole is that a word? <laughs> it's I just made it up. If it's not mayor Oriole. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like something that really commands mayoral mayorship. May, mayoral. <laughs> I think it is mayoral. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I might. I might be onto something. Like a like a monopoly hat. Anyway, he could rock it. I also have a theory, uh, and this has nothing to do with him. But the theory that the older a man is, yeah. the more acceptable it is in his life to wear. Stupid, uh, like hat. A stupid hat yeah. without anyone questioning. Him. Oh, totally. And if that same person was like 20 wearing that hat, everyone would call him like, you know, a try hard or a oh, hipster man. or something. But if you, once you hit like past a certain point, you can wear yeah. any hat you want. And I think that's really the only benefit of, of aging. I think this year or maybe in the past two years, you know, I, I, I've bought a lot of uh, used or some people would call it thrift clothes Okay, in the past. And uh, I still have some of those clothes. And I think in the past year or two, I've found them and put them on. And I'm like, oh, this is what it actually is kind of cool now. Like, because I'm not a child. You know, I don't, I don't know if I if I follow you. Well, I'm, I have all these thrift clothes that I bought when I was like 15, 16, 17. And when I wore it when I was a kid, I just looked like a dorky kid wearing old clothes. I see. Okay. And now that I have a beard and wrinkles... And sadness behind my eyes <laughs> when I put it on now. Now that I'm weathered, it feels and... like I can actually pull it off a little bit. Oh yeah, like the hats. Yeah, totally. So we should start. Uh, what kind of? Do you have any sweet, funky old hats that look stupid when you're a kid? Like, you look like a kid that's just really into Magic: The Gathering or something when you try and wear old hats. You know, I probably have the only hat. I don't have it no, anymore. No but problems think... against anybody that plays Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, straight up. They could, cause you could sponsor the podcast. They could. I have a friend who has a massive Magic: The Gathering company in oh, St. Louis. Really? That's yes. That's cool. Acquaintance. Yeah. I think the only hat an old man can't wear is one of those Disney goofy hats with the ear flaps and the teeth off the bill. I'll, I'll put a link in the podcast. The teeth off the bill. Yeah, it's like a it's a whole ridiculous thing. That's I think that's the only one though. Other than like that, Peaky Blinders. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? What is the the newest trend in design in 2019 that you see? I feel like I have to ask a basic ass question to legitimize this podcast. Um, 
What happened? Did you uh, design week happened? Yeah. And uh, who was the? Can you remind me again who the main guy was? Uh, well, it was a bunch of people. Okay. Uh, Anna from the AIGA really stepped up and. Uh, no, the keynote speaker. I I can't remember either. An know, Asian fellow. I kind of took the year off. Yeah. You know, just kind of skated by. Yeah, there's uh, not a bunch of. Uh, yeah, I think we may have discussed this, but I would say that the community it's not as thriving as it once was well and i don't mean that i mean that like there's not a lot of events or activities for the creative working class in town anymore i feel like there used to be parties every once in a while yeah i think it feels like you're right uh or maybe i just don't know about them you know no no see i don't know no we're plugged in maybe i'm just uh yeah. I think it's Out a larger societal thing of maybe the younger people that are coming up just don't party. I, I don't know. You know, maybe it's like tied into that whole online dating thing or like to where people don't go to bars to meet people anymore. <laughs> I think like, that's a good point. I think like I've, I was thinking about this is so nerdy. God, but here we go. I already Bring told it. the Sim City story, so what the hell? Yeah, uh, I think people like, have already labeled you, <laughs> <laughs> like business associations or like uh, things that you're a member of, like a, uh-huh. like AIGA or um, just for example, like in the in you know the the 70s and 80s and everything. Sure, they would have these events, and the, it was the only time that people could see each other's work. You know, and see like what they're working on and what they're doing, and um, the only time to like see who has clients and all this stuff. Um, and so that people would meet and they would, you know, they would network and talk. Yeah. But now everything happens so quickly. Like you already know who everyone's clients are. You already know whose work is. Yeah, and it's some. I don't there, even. There's no point to really going unless you're just trying to socialize and hang out, which is cool, and you should. Do but. you find yourself not getting as amped about design? projects like of work that you see that people do that even though it's really good you're just kind of like yeah it's cool it's good well um because I, I feel like there was i don't know i feel like that there used to be more impact when you saw really good design work and it just hit you and you're like oh shit did you see whatever designer did this yeah. and now it's just kind of like I'll, I'll see good design work i'm like oh yeah, cool do you think it's because there's so there's so much more good design work. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much good everything. Yeah, it's like an abundance of good. So nothing really is like outstanding or, or not outstanding. Nothing really stands out. Yeah, you know, uh, because there's so much great. So that's that's wonderful that there's so much great design readily available for people. Uh, there's still a lot of crap in the world. Well, too. I think that there's so much good design that people are using intentionally bad design and turning it into good design. Like, have you seen Kanye's new album? Yeah. I saw those t-shirts. Yes. Uh, also, those are apparently stolen artwork. Uh, my friend, Michael Franco told me from some artists on Instagram that they literally took the Instagram and blew it up and it's pixelated on the print on the sweatshirt. So intentionally, uh, so again, intentionally kind of bad. Yeah, intentionally crappy or just kind of, and even like the promotion was this bright RGB blue right? with uh, a text that almost like visually vibrated on it for the Jesus is King uh, promotion. And it's historically bad, but like it's kind of becoming 
cool again. So, yeah, so that's a, so awesome. So if, if like beautiful aesthetic and, um, sort of design as a, uh, a pattern, mm-hmm. it's kind of been established of what is acceptably good design. I'm using air quotes, everybody. Good design. <laughs> Can you feel this? Yeah. So, but if that isn't, <laughs> but if that, if that's just blending in now, you yeah. see this wave of sort of street art and like streetwear and like grunge design that's sort of intentionally bad or not re- intentionally unrefined. Well, I, that? But that's what's getting all the attention. So it's, it's, it's interesting. But there, there's been a lot of work that contains like, um, like pretty much every major brand has made a shirt now that says this is Adidas or this is Nike. This is 100% like they're taking the tag information and making it the shirt design. And uh, like Virgil Abloh just did this line with Ikea. And one of the, one of the rugs is an Ikea receipt. It's all super meta. Yeah. Yeah. And self-referential. And like then now it's even, I went to an, uh, um, an exhibit at, contemporary art museum and the lady art or the female artist incorporated um uh press check like color wheels and and gradients into the artwork right and so it's i don't what i mean what would you even call that besides meta or self-referential design or that's i think that's been around i don't know i don't know what you call it i don't know if there's a specific thing i think that's been around in uh, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, from like the early nineties, yeah. I think it was like this sort of, uh, well, you'll love this sort of this anti link in the, in the, in the notes, but it's sort of this sort of anti design thing. But if you, do you, do you know, are you familiar with the designers Republic? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So those guys used to, with a K yeah, used to do all kinds of crazy, crazy sort of expressive designs yep. that was super like, um, uh, consumery, mm-hmm. but but would literally say consume me, buy me, sure, you know, and, and all these like really direct things, and there's they would like trademark everything and, and register everything and use every little sort of um, legal symbol to show authority, but also kind of mock it in the same in the same breath. Yeah, it has been going on a long time. I mean, I re- when I did my first anti logo, I had an upside down circle R. Yeah. All rights reserved, you know, just like little things like that to try and play with the overseen elements of design to make them design elements. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, maybe, maybe we just discovered something on this podcast. Maybe, but I doubt it. But if, if, but if ever, you know, it's, it's just the idea that, that if design's role is to stand out, Mm -hmm. that it always doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing. It Mm -hmm. just has to stand out. Yeah. You know, and and like, it's it, it, of course time and place for what's appropriate, but well, it, um, it's, it's like interesting. The pixelation apparel to me is saying, okay, everybody knows that artwork on uh, a T shouldn't be pixelated, but now that they know that, it's almost ironic that they're making pixelated art on the apparel. Yeah, and then everybody's like, hey, that's cool because you're kind of you know it, it's very strange. I, I'm trying to not doing a good job, but I'm trying to like, definitely not trying to put some sort of, uh, handles on it so that I can understand it even a little bit better. Uh, maybe we're just old. Yeah, that's true too. It's probably, probably that's very true. One foot in the grave. (laughs) Did you listen to the album? Uh, I did. I listened to, I haven't really 
delved in, dived in the the album. Um, so I, some of it I, I'm not feeling. Yeah, it's shit. You know, I just, uh, I know people that love it and think it's the greatest thing ever. But probably but just it, because it's Kanye. Yeah. But I'm a big Kanye fan. I am like, too. I just, but I just, some of it seems like he's just making fun of, I don't I think Kanye is really, well, hell we're talking about Kanye. How, some, how, how did all this happen? But, um, cause I mean, he's, he's really good at, at reinventing and staying relevant and getting people to talk about stuff, you know? Yeah. But I feel like this latest album is such a departure from, from everything that it's sure. almost, it just feels like a setup. Yeah, totally. You know? Or, you know, maybe he just became deeply spiritual after having kids and married and settling down and becoming older and all that stuff. So maybe I'm just an asshole. And I, and no, I, no, 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 you're not. He, um, it's, you know, I think that people just are able to talk about things more and more. Yeah. Um, and again, Franco and I talk about this in a podcast that'll be following this one, <laughs> but it's just that that's meta. See what you did? Never yeah, I know. Shit. Um, it's a pixelated podcast. <laughs> the, uh, um, you just ruined my goddamn train of yeah, thought, Michael. Good. Um, <laughs> I miss the old Kanye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, uh, He's just having a a, a, re, a a conversion event, like Bob Dylan, like Johnny Cash, like Elvis, like Bono, yeah, uh, Prince, and it's just more publicized and it's more at the cusp of everything because it's who he is, and it's just funny because I've been riffing on it and I call it Kanye West prosperity gospel music because he's aligning with like Joel Osteen, like Joel Osteen's invited him to come to his church. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just so funny. And if you look at the lyrics and if you look at some of the interviews that he's been having, he's really just addressing God as his own ego. It's almost interchangeable. Like, God wants me to succeed. He gave me this tax break and I got $32 million back. Isn't that great? (laughs) And it's just so bizarre because he, you know, he does have some sort of self-acknowledged mental illness. And now he's just bringing religion into the mix, which is is just more uh, mental illness. <laughs> and yet, we're all sitting around talking about Kanye. Of course, and that's it. what are they saying? And his uh, pixelated shirts. Good art asks questions. You yeah, know? I think that's what's. Uh, I think it's it's. it's, it's uh, I hate the term artist, but especially for musicians. But like, if you know the role of an artist in a true sense, it's like kind of what to create he's, conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he he always pulls it off. You know, he I, does. And I don't know if it's genuine or whatever, but. Uh, it's phased, you know, it's, yeah. it's different phases yeah. and he just wears them on his sleeve. Yeah. And his pixelated sleeves. Oh, his pixelated <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> well, it's great talking to you. <laughs> Shortest <laughs> podcast yet. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I have back, you know, this is supposed to be the summary of making it past the 10 podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And are you tired? No, I, I, I do get tired after doing one yeah. because it's just a struggle to think like there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go on while you're hosting a podcast. Not, not necessarily with you. That's not also like a, a slight, well, but <laughs> do you find yourself a better conversationalist because before I thought you were terrible. Well, thank you. Um, no, not a better conversationalist, but maybe like a better interviewer. So like some people like, I love that you're cracking up at your own joke so hard. 
What a dick, it's ladies so, and gentlemen. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> no, like some some conversations just roll. Like, yeah. I don't even have to think about them. And then like Eastman, the dude can just talk, 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 talk. And it's super interesting. And he's basically at a reflective period in his life anyways. Um, then there's other ones that I've had to where I kind of maybe have to facilitate it a little bit more yeah, and carry the conversation along. Uh, and I, and I basically have to adopt the position of a listener. I'm like, is this interesting to listen to? So I know, you know, there's two, two mindsets I'm going through when I'm talking to someone I'm thinking about as a listener and I'm trying to think about like, okay, what would a listener ask Mike Spakowski right now? Oh God. And then there's times where I just don't have to think about shit. And that's when I think it's kind of like a flow state just going into the conversation and it's interesting for the sake of being interesting. But you have to kind of be aware that like, if it's not interesting, people are just going to turn this shit off. Probably like for the past five minutes of me talking about if it's interesting or not. Completely. <laughs> There's some Chuck Palahniuk quote and he, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's like, God doesn't care if you're good or bad. He only, he only wants you to be interesting. And if you're boring, he's just going to take you out of the game. <laughs> Kanye's been reading Chuck. Chuck Kanye, Kanye is a devotee to Chuck Palahniuk. What uh, what you been reading lately, man? Uh, Are you still doing mostly audiobooks, or do you also do? I have traditional. Uh, I do I do both, uh, but um, God, I've been reading books about marketing strategy and conversion. Still, really, you got to take a break from. Those. I know. What's funny is like you. Uh, my dad years ago told me mm-hmm. that if if you read more than three books on one subject, you'll know more than 90% of, of anybody. I believe that actually. Yeah. So I sometimes beat themes to death. And it's funny as you, as you start to, to read books, you already know the quotes and the case studies <laughs> and the examples. Yeah. And you realize that all this, everything is the same stuff. Yeah. It's like all, all sort of books in the genre follow the same format or the same everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, I read Austin Kleon's three books. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm working. I'm in the middle of the uh, of the third one. Keep uh, going. Keep going. Yeah. But I can't. It's hard for me to keep going on it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> I got to, you know, the first book I think is pretty fluffy. Um, I love the first one. Really? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, Still I like think, an artist. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. It's so good. I just don't think that there's anything there besides the format of oh. his draw, like Sharpie notes i think the yeah well yeah there's that but i i think like the see like an artist is really about sort of relating to everybody who is uh trying to be better yeah you know and the idea that everybody struggles and everybody goes through all that stuff and everybody you know and, and but that's like tips again and tricks and hacks and that's all that stuff the, to get through that's like if you've read one book about that you've read them all completely you but know? the best thing about him is he put it in a little digestible format where True. you're like oh this is easy and because most people you can give them a, a giant book with all the knowledge in the world and they just don't read it well and, you know but if you could break it into bite-sized pieces yeah uh, definitely and yeah. I think those the next two books are evident of him becoming better at it yeah of his style and his writing method um, but ironically, that first book is still the most popular. <laughs> yeah. It's like New York Times bestseller for yeah. weeks and weeks. It's actually, uh, I think that's his second one. The Steel Like an Artist is his second one because he did one called Newspaper Blackout. Yeah, that was more like artwork though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was um, Show Your Work. There's Steel Like an Artist, Show Your Work, and mm-hmm. then Keep Going. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm right in the middle of keep going. Yeah. And I need to keep going. They're good. They made me feel like that, you know, you know, again, it made me feel like, shit, I guess I can write a book, you know, it, that was kind of the first thing. And then I saw how he got better and I'm trying to write obviously, um, right now. Yeah. I know you are as well, but I'm trying to write a long form article about my summer, uh, and the, uh, the uh, conservative adventures I'd have in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. And you've had lots of adventures this summer. It's been a crazy summer since we did our first podcast, man. that's nuts. Um, Yeah, you you met the president. I met the fucking president. Yeah, you've been on Fox News. Twice. Yeah, multiple times. Third time come February. Yeah, (laughs) that's nuts. How's biz? Best year yet. That's great. Um, But before that, like, I'm trying to encapsulate the entire summer in writing in like a 5,000 to 7,000 word essay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's so hard. You can, now that you have this, I met the 1994 Pasta House Company Cook of the Year. I mean, this thing writes itself. Maybe I should write that story first. It's definitely. (laughs) Mike Spikowski. (laughs) Every time I say, uh, like people are like, I've been listening to your podcast. Who's Mike Spikowski? Is that the guy from Monsters, Inc.? Yeah, same guy. It's the same joke though, over and over. My friend has two eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's, I I really respect the art of writing because it is really hard. It's, as you know, once you can get going, once you get your rhythm, I think it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to, uh, once you stop, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a screwed part right now because I haven't done it in a while. I think you have to do it every single day is the key. So, um, my kid has, he pulled out this box of my old childhood toys mm-hmm. and in it was this Rubik's cube and I have, I've never solved it. And he's like, dad, solve it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to screw do you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't, don't talk to dad. Uh, but anyway, so I'm like, damn it, I'm going to solve it. So I got on YouTube and I figured out how to do it. And, oh, it, cool. and even with YouTube, it took me like two weeks. <laughs> and so to like now, like every other day I like do it because I don't want to forget you yeah. know, this idea of habit. Cause once you stop, then I'll never, then I won't be, um, I won't have that magic trick anymore. But with writing, it's the same thing. Like I used to do it like all the time and I slowed down and now it's like a, a painful blank page grind. So that's that's why I just fill my time with podcasts now. (laughs) That's the key to everything, man. Like with the craziness of this summer, I wasn't able to like run. And then, yeah, you look terrible. Thanks. I appreciate that. And as I've gotten more and more free time back, like I am incorporating running back into my schedule and it's so hard to get that baseline back. Oh yeah. Like you feel like, like shit, I am uh, way behind where I was even six months ago. And that really is so true with every single thing that you do. If you're not doing it every day or every other day or even every week, you're going to lose it. We talked about the flow earlier. Yeah. That's the, what do they call the state of flow? Flow state. Yeah. Yeah. State uh, flow state. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the the trick of a lot of creative work, a lot of self induced projects and mm-hmm. uh, or self inflicted projects. Uh, it just it's just the the momentum, you know, is everything. But uh, and the repetition, yeah, and like um, and then just being prolific yeah. and not necessarily like having to publish it or put it out there, but just doing the practice. Yeah. Um, and then it's you know there's so many different interests that one can have that's like okay, well. I guess kids and wife are going to trump <laughs> uh, my writing career for the moment. 
Some days, no, I don't know. Uh, which makes sense. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, are you from? I mean, I'm sure you're I'm sure, you know, like Childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that guy. You know, um, writes constantly uh, albums and TV shows and movies yeah. and and and. Um, I I always thought like man it has to be so hard to do all that stuff and then I think with just with the volume in the in the frequency it has to actually uh, be a lot easier than if he stopped and waited and it's probably not that hard to develop it now it's probably hard to execute yeah like if he's got this idea for like the guava island thing yeah which I watched half of recently he's probably like man I got this great idea now it's just a matter of executing it and convincing and selling people and. You know, I think he realizes that his music has reached a level to where people are paying attention. So now he's got the ability to do whatever he wants. I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would say that if we had um, a string of successful projects that allowed us to have the freedom to do whatever we wanted to do, you probably have a list a mile long of, of interesting design projects or writing projects that you'd love to work on. We'll never know. <laughs> Cause you'll never be free. Um, yeah, I think I have probably more writing projects than design projects, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, sure. Of yeah. course. So you haven't been able to write regularly for a while. I, I have, uh, it just, it sounds really weird with my, with my new schedule. Uh, my kids wake up earlier and it kind of throws me off. Like what time? Like six. Oh, okay. So I have to get up at like four thirty. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. So it's it's just <laughs> or you can get up at like five forty and you have twenty minutes and you're not even in the Oh, it's zone. gotta feel so rushed too. Yeah, it's just it's just carving time out. But you know. Well, I guess that you know, is the oldest one starting to take care of himself at all? Yeah, but you still you can't just hide in the basement and write, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave daddy alone. I'm in a laboratory. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I always wonder how Stephen King did it. Did you ever check out that book? Uh his book on writing? No. It's so I'm, good. Did we talk about Stephen King last time? I think so. I'm a huge fan and of the guy, of the person. Yeah. Like I've only read a couple of his books and I think they're great, but I, the, is the practice of writing and creativity and Yes, and he uh, talks about writing Carrie and like stealing time to find to write Carrie. He talks about books he forgot he's written. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. I think <laughs> yeah. it's Cujo. Yeah, he was compl- it? Yeah, he forgot that he wrote Cujo. <laughs> yeah. Wish I I blacked out and had a hit book. Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking is like this guy then became an author and he's managing a family and a huge drug habit at the same time and writing books that he didn't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> like a- he would drink like 30 beers a day and do tons of coke and write and be a family man. He, he had it all. <laughs> And he's still alive uh, yeah. somehow. He was, uh, even like, though he got nailed by that van. <laughs> yeah, he bought the van and then uh, destroyed it. Oh, did he? Yeah, it sounds very cathartic. He was, he was on Twitter and he talks about uh, the best way to to microwave one of those hungry man TV dinners. Oh yeah, you want to take the brownie out first. I think you talked about this last time. Did I? That's sad. yeah. It's just a, it's cyclical. <laughs> it, it shows how, dri- how predetermined we are by fate. Oh. 
to repeat the same conversation. But now people are going to go back and be like, was he really talking Cross-reference it? Well, we talked so much that I don't know. Maybe it's just me remembering all the shit that you've said over the past 10 years. uh, I feel bad for you then. (laughs) You should. You should. No one should remember any of this stuff. (laughs) Uh, No, he is is an excellent author. I've been... I've been geeking out about these. Um, do you like horror movies or? I mean, not really. writing like that. No. Oh man. I mean, I, I, I used to. I don't. Um, yeah, I just don't. The, I don't get into it anymore. The A twenty four film company. They um, make a bunch of independent films. Like the big one out right now is called Lighthouse, with uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Hmm. Um, they put out. A bunch of a bunch of movies that you've heard of before, but they're all like kind of weird and interesting. A lot of Shia LaBeouf movies, <laughs> but there's just do it. There's this director, Ari Aster, is his name, and he did this movie Midsummer, which came out this year, and then uh, another movie called Hereditary, and these are the creepiest, most beautiful, most organized films that I've seen since Stanley Kubrick. Like really? they're so good. So jam-packed. I've been recommending them to everybody. Huh. Hereditary is really creepy. Like, I'm, I, scary movies don't scare me. Hereditary creeped me out quite a bit. Midsummer was just pretty funny and amazing and interesting and ridiculous and scary. But you should watch those, and we should, we should have a report on them. Have you ever seen a creep show? No. <laughs> What is it? This is old 80s. It used to be on HBO. It's a terrible. It wasn't even terrible. You're losing it? the millennials, Mike. I know. It's great. I think last time yeah. we started talking about uh, Rick Moranis and <laughs> shit, and now we're talking about Creep Show from hey, the man, 80s. Creep Show's legit. It's legit. I'll put a link in the show. <laughs> I don't even know if people are reading no. or using the notes that I make. They're very thorough. They are. And. Honestly, they're for myself, but the big pain in the ass is that I have to go back and listen to the entire conversation. That sounds horrible. It's not horrible at this point, but I can see it getting horrible. If you did three in three days. And and it's not like a passive listening. Like I have to pay attention to whatever we're talking about and make notes about it. Yeah. Edit out things about mayors. <laughs> no way. It's the juiciest shit we've talked about so far. That's funny. Have you designed anything lately? Have you made anything lately? Um, Are you still working with clients? Yep. Yeah, here and there. Um, really just for money. Yeah. Um, it's nothing portfolio worthy. Do you miss it? No. No, not at all. What have you replaced it with? Art. What like, kind of art? Um, Sorry, I'm grilling. I've turned the table. <laughs> um like the 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 bible thing that i made yeah and like trying to envision what if i were to you know we touched about this a little bit earlier this year but um i'm really interested in fine art and how that is connected to design and how you can kind of like take certain things and make it like some things are like uh, explicitly a piece of design and then some things are explicitly fine art and I'm really interested in the cross between those two things and I don't even know what that is I, I guess that's why all of those things that we talked about regarding the um, the registration marks and the color um, 
Yeah. Um, you know, or the t- taking like the Ikea receipt and making that a rug. That stuff, I guess, perplexes me and also makes me really curious because I find it kind of edgy in a way. Oh, yeah. Like you're taking yeah. the things that typically only designers knew about and presenting them to a larger audience. And so I guess I did those um, I did those quote pieces for Brennan's Midtown. Yeah. Uh, still, they're still up, I think. Yeah. And that was fun, you know, and like designing how those came together was fun, even though it was just Helvetica on a blank piece of canvas. Um, so that, you know, is that design or is it artwork? Is it artwork because I put it on canvas and put like a legit back to it? Or is it just more design work? You know, I don't, and does it really fucking matter to begin with? Um, That's interesting. The design work now is, uh, it's not, I haven't, I haven't had any client work that's tested me in over a year. There hasn't been something that's come around and maybe that's because I'm just not saying yes to it. Or a master. Oh, I'm not a master at all, but I'm just, there's nothing that's come around that I'm interested enough to want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Unless it's so simple that I can basically get it done and make a, a good amount of money to do it in a small amount of time. Um, and that sounds, I, I get how that can sound demoralizing to uh, maybe a younger designer, but I'm utilizing design in everything else that I do. So like when I get this work that's just a paycheck, I am happy to do it. Like I don't, I don't try and inject any higher artistic or aesthetic sense ability into it because I know exactly what they're looking for. And so that's, I mean, the the difference between like, well, it's kind of like the work that you were talking about. Maybe that's more, um, corporate versus Yeah. Verse, verse that recess location. Yeah. Consumer. Um, yeah. But to me, even like the, even like the, the air more air quotes guys, uh, either like the fun, (laughs) like restaurant stuff, I feel um, like you need to make an air quote sound. I will put a, a link to the air quotes. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, but to me, it's still, it's still work. You know, it's, I think design's, uh, God, design is like, graphic design is an art where you can make something just beautiful and aesthetically pleasing and great for you. And, but once you start to to do it for clients and try to express their ideas to mm-hmm. their audience, and, and it becomes, it's a job. It's something you do for money, you know? Yeah, and... It's, it can still be beautiful and meaningful, but it's it's yeah. not your expression anymore. It's your expression of their of their problem or their, well, their I think brand. The historicity of graphic design is That's interesting. Not a word. The historicity? Yeah, is that real? It's a word. Link to that. <laughs> no, because it was a trade. It wasn't necessarily an art form. Yeah. And Ever since someone took um, uh, woodblock like type forms, or took um, like think about old rock concert posters with that blue, yellow, pink gradient, mm-hmm. like that was a format that somebody came up with, but it was probably out of necessity. It wasn't an artistic solution, um, or take a, a lot of like letter pressed old work. 
And it wasn't until somebody started to appreciate them from an artistic standpoint that it then became an aesthetic to a certain extent. It was, you know, that's the problem with graphic design is that it's always been in this weird middle ground between a trade, no different than like an electrician um, and an art form. And I think that's why it's so interesting to talk about graphic design because it is by its nature not really sure of where it falls between these two disciplines. You know, like doing art for money is a weird thing. Ah, graphic design. There it is. Thank God. I was wondering when it was going to come in. You agree, though, or do you? No, no, it is. It is. It's you. You know, as a you know, as a designer, you build up your own arsenal of tricks and your tools and your perspectives. Well, design didn't become an art. Like ad writing was the art form. Oh, correct. Yeah. And design was a trade. Like, you got to get the layout right. It's not about, like, we need a creative layout. It's like, it needs to support the ad copy. If you think about the Volkswagen ads. Sure. This is the idea. And that wasn't the designer coming up with the idea. It was the copywriter or the creative, you know, whatever, yeah. yada, yada, title, title, mishmash. Um, and then... The designer had to obey the creative director's vision and make it appealing, but they weren't necessarily considered like artists to a certain extent. So assemblers? I don't know. I mean, what would you, I would say you have a better grasp on what I'm trying to get at than I do. I always feel like uh, with everyone I've ever worked with, it's always, I mean, we have designers and writers and we sit in a room and we try to figure out what the hell we're going to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's like someone will have an idea uh, and maybe it's the writer and they'll start to just, I'm going to write out how this is going to unfold. Yeah. And then they'll give it to the designer and the designer will take what the writer made and then they'll sort of express it through visuals or mm-hmm. the designer will say, I know what's going to, what this is going to look like. And yeah. they'll, they'll start to shape it and then they'll give it to the writer to help fill in the blanks. And it's never, I, I don't, I don't know if it's always one or the other, you know, mm-hmm. I would say typically, the writer is the person uh, who is most not not I mean just it, just generally not mm-hmm. in my specific company, but I would say like the writer uh, is usually in charge with a concept, mm-hmm. you know, in some agencies, and I think sure uh, that makes designers kind of uh, use use it as a crutch. Oh, I don't yeah. have to think; just tell me what to make. Um, and I think that's I think that's terrible. Like I think like. If, I think being a great writer is being able to take an idea and articulate it in a way through words mm-hmm. uh, that makes it more expressive or more appealing or more whatever. And it's the same thing with design. It's just a different language. It's visually. How do you, how do you express yeah. the same thing? But uh, yeah, working with creative people, trying to uh, bring something together is always fun and challenging and, and sometimes frustrating and well, uh, I wonderful. Get, I, I've always wanted to write the things that I design. you know, And this goes back to my first ever interview at Rogers Townsend. Yeah. When, and I talked about this in the bright and early, Sure, but it was like, they're like, what do you want to, what role are you interested in? I'm like, yeah, it's the silo. Yeah. I'm like, I want to do, I want to write. And I also want to design. I want to be the copywriter and I want to be the junior designer. And they're like, <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that the industry silos, everybody, especially in, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, but, but now as, it's kind of not as much as, 
It kind giant. of works like that in some respects, or at least there are designer and writer teams. Yeah. And guaranteed that the writer is making some design decisions and the designer is making some copy decisions. Yeah. John Jay, um, the creative director, famous creative director, of uh, is a, yeah, has yeah. a um, great video on YouTube about, uh, about silos and creative roles and um, expecting uh, people to, to interchange those boundaries or push those boundaries a little to make them a more well-versed creative. And I think, I think that's true. I, I never considered myself a writer. I never really considered myself much of a designer mm-hmm. until I started to um, get confident about it and then make more stuff. And with, with writing the same way, it's like uh, when we first started, it's like, hey, client, what should the headline be? You know, because mm-hmm. we were just we we're just assembling this thing. Um, but it was it was it, the work wasn't as good as it could have been because it yeah. wasn't us coming up with the concept. You know, once we started to say, here's our take, here's our creative spin on what you're trying to say, and here's how we think you could say it and and it would really resonate with people, that's when everything kind of clicked for us because we realized what we were doing wasn't just writing or wasn't just designing, but it was the the idea that we were delivering, uh, for lack of a shittier expression, delivering (laughs) value through through both those things, you know, like actually making something uh, uh, matter through through what we were making. Oh, matter. What do you mean? Okay. Well, well making it, uh, making the audience care about it. Yeah. Most audiences don't give a shit about anything, you know? No. And it's interesting because it's like, if you don't have, I mean, how many times have you just received a document of copy with no direction behind it? Yeah. And then within formatting copy, you become the creative director. You're saying, okay, well, I'm going to emphasize this and pull this out and make it, 24 points and then make the body copy 12 points and then by the nature you're becoming a creative copywriter sometimes you you shorten things or condense them and so i feel like designers have taste and they have the ability to see when copy is not really that good either yeah, yeah. I, I i don't know many designers who don't get copy you know I, I think it, but there's potentially a lot of copywriters who don't necessarily understand design. Yeah, I think I think it's both. I know uh, some wonderful copywriters that really get design. I know some designers who really get copy, mm-hmm. although neither of them can actually do the other. Like I don't know a lot of designers who feel comfortable well, they writing all the copy. Or it's hard for them to develop the kernel of the idea. Then, yeah. And then to run with it. But when they know when it's good, they yeah. know when it's bad. Yes. You know? Yeah, totally. And that's, and that's a great skill. Early on when you're, you know, just starting, it's like, oh, well, you, you said this is what it should say. So <laughs> right, I made it. Right. You know, and um, that's sort of that unchallenging. If it doesn't mean anything to you, you know, how's it ever going to mean anything to the audience? So that, that not challenging it because someone else told you to do it is sort of, uh, I think, poison to, to young designers or any designer really. Definitely, uh, but it's the yeah you gotta you gotta challenge it to make it actually uh, to make it good. Yeah, did you hear about um, Tom Townsend? Mm. God, it's horrible, dude. I mean, that is the most fucked up, bleak story I've I heard. Mean, the, the nicest, generous person in the entire. Did world. you know him well? Oh my god! So when we first started, uh, Rogers Townsend was one of our first. And only clients like uh-huh. like hell like eighteen or nineteen years ago. Oh, that's they cool. Would, yeah, I didn't so, know that. Oh, so we uh, they would we would do production digital production work for 
uh, a lot of their accounts. It was before agencies really had in-house uh, mm. uh, digital. You know, it, it was sure. it was unsure fad that. Uh, but we would make we would take eleven by seventeen quark files and turn them into <laughs> little six hundred pixel emails uh, full of videos and animation <laughs> and flash. And it was like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, he was always the most supportive, nicest dude. And, um, I never worked at a big agency, but I would hang out at RT all the time, just, just doing production work and, and talking to, to uh, creative teams. Um, and so, you know, I've just, I just saw Tom like every day for years and yeah. he was just, uh, he was just a super, it was just, he was, he showed me that you can like be yourself and wear a damn hat to a meeting mm. and, and be just a nice person and you don't have to be a corporate asshole to succeed. Yeah. He was just, he was just a great example for everybody. Um, I I only met him a handful of times. And one of the things I remember was like, it was the first open floor plan I'd ever seen. Yeah. Oh, me too. And, uh, he was just sitting there, you know, surrounded by everybody else. Right. And I, that really registered with me. I'm like, this is the guy whose name is on the building. Yeah. And he's just chilling here with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool, a uh, real cool move to make. Um, and just, man, the, 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 it, I know he had retired and then started up this pianos for pianos for people, for people yeah. foundation. And, uh, what was it about teaching piano? It's about lessons and then providing pianos to people. Access to pianos. Yeah. Or giving people pianos. Oh, cool. It, if I understand it right. Um, but yeah, and I then, mean, he's had, um, yeah, he's had some shitty luck the last couple of years, but you know, it's very like to go through the violent ordeal of getting carjacked and then getting shot in the face. Yeah. And then to have like, he had, they, they found the cancer bef- two weeks before he passed away. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. It's horrible. That is just, um, I don't know. It really really it really makes you question like <laughs> timing of things yeah and 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 how he had no idea and how he was getting his life back in track and like getting his physical appearance back on track and like and then yeah. bam you got cancer and you die in two weeks huh. and the thing is he was like uh two weeks yeah i yeah. mean what I don't even know what it was specifically, but like I don't either. I just remember reading the article, um, and to and to have something to find out that you're gonna die in two weeks, like after you've just been putting up with the most difficult f- physical ailment you've ever had in your entire life, getting facial reconstruction surgery, and then yeah, he had a lot. The last couple of years, he's just really. Uh, it's like a martyr almost. Yeah, I mean, it's what it feels like. Yeah, the guy was, uh, I mean, I thought very highly of him. Yeah. Through personally and professionally, but. It's sad. Yeah, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to segue from that. (laughs) Is Tim Rogers still active in the business? Yeah, I saw, um, I see, I bump into Tim every now and then. Okay. Um, I mean, again, when we were first starting, I remember the advice they gave us. What was it? <laughs> it was like uh, Tim would get us in a in a room and he would say, "Okay, guys, I know you're starting your agency and all this stuff, but I just want to tell you, like, don't go out and buy any stupid furniture. <laughs> just work from tables. It's oh, no big man. deal. Don't blow all your money on this stuff. 
but he told us the story, uh, him and him and um, I have. We're, we're, we're sitting at a table from a yeah, agency that I paid like forty bucks for. It's great. <laughs> I would have paid forty two, but they probably paid four hundred. Is what I'm saying. Probably. Actually, I think it's just an IKEA table, but it's a nice one. I got it from Cannonball. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, good. It's good. They're nice. Good tables too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, they just give the most practical advice, and they would tell stories of how uh, when they first started, they would uh, they would be in their house and. Uh, they would invite the client. Uh, they would never invite the client over, but they told the client they could drive by, and they would, if they looked out at the house, they would wave out the window. <laughs> and that what? was, yeah, it was just, it was uh, just to show that they were there. But uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, that's hilarious. Know. Wait, they couldn't stop by. Well, they didn't want them in the house, <laughs> so they just waved to prove that they were there. But. Oh man, that's funny. That's uh, because I feel like they're kind of like the granddaddies of the local advertising. Uh, community, right? It's funny. I mean, I remember, I remember when they turned like five years old. I mean, not when their agency turned five, not them as people. (laughs) Uh, uh, To me, they don't, they don't seem that old, but I guess I've gotten old too. Well, I'm saying in that they both came from other companies. Yeah. I think they came from Darcy. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so St. Louis used to be a huge ad agency or huge ad city because of Budweiser. If I understand this right, and whoever's listening is like, that's bullshit. You're probably right, but I'm (laughs) I'm just going to try to tell it as I think. So I I apologize, but, but St. Louis was a big ad city because of, because of AB Mm -hmm. and um, Darcy went under. And after that, there was probably 10 little agencies that started, um, um, and then like some of those went under. So then 10 yeah. agencies started from there. And, Zipitoni. And, and yeah. It all just kind of started all from, from Darcy. But, uh, I've met more people in, in my life that have told me that they used to work at Darcy. And then they, they, they say that, that they're the people that came up with like the Budweiser frogs. <laughs> probably about four people have told me. That yeah. They, they I, came I up with it. And maybe they're all in the room. And maybe that it's actually, because but, I have felt that as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, isn't there a cool Swain or somebody? Yeah. Like, I feel like they said that they came up with the frogs. Maybe they did. But then there's like, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, it's uh, so many people have claimed the frogs. I know out of all things, like I would have claimed <laughs> Spuds McKenzie <laughs> or Budman. Yeah. Budman. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I used to have coasters of Budman. Really? Oh, like a giant, like, um, sleeve of them like 300 of them that's where duff man came from yeah exactly yeah (laughs) simpsons yeah it's like a beer superhero for kids perfect (laughs) that's perfect you need to well he was the answer to joe camel clearly oh yeah well i think he's probably before joe camel i need to do a podcast with somebody that has a good grasp on anheuser-busch history because i'm not the one that's fine but i i find it endlessly fascinating like to be one of the world's largest companies centered in st louis and just making beer Uh it's a fascinating story i heard a story the other day that um that august bush wanted in st louis was going to have a baseball team Mm -hmm. they're going to build a stadium and they had this big like um naming rights competition yeah and it was well, gonna, they took sportsman park yeah but they were going to call it um 
uh, Budweiser Stadium. Yeah. And so they said, no, no, we don't want to affiliate it with any kind of beer. Yeah. And so he, uh, uh, Bush, Bush, yep. Bush bought it, it, calls it, uh, or sorry, Bush buys it, calls it Bush Stadium, and then he Makes replaces the beer. The beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. so funny. It's like, man, that's so and good. And little did he know it would be the best beer in their portfolio. Yeah. Uh, someone <laughs> told me recently that they're doing away with the Miller brand. Who's they? I don't know. No. no that's, mean, that's what I heard. No, but I mean, who's the, who, who's the, the they that's doing away with who them? Owns, who owns Miller now? Miller. Maybe? I thought, no, I thought like Coors bought them or something. Miller Coors. Yeah. Yeah, Miller owns Coors. You know what? I, I don't know. No, no there's just something I heard. Maybe it'll happen. There's no way. Maybe it won't. My cousin works... He made the switch from AB to Miller, and uh, he, he worked as a rep and then worked his way up through AB for years and years, and then in the two years ago, started working for Miller, hmm. just because the perks are, I think, are a little bit better ever since uh, when AB stopped being American-owned, then it kind of went like, okay, we got to cut some cost on this shit. <laughs> they, they sold AB? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh... Um, so yeah, aside from that, I, I, uh, that was some interesting stuff. Shout out to Tom Townsend, RIP. And, uh, it has been a crazy summer. Yeah. It, what was it, what was memorable about your summer? Going to the fucking white house. What was the, I mean, if you were, <laughs> I mean, you were on the news or on the white house. I mean, I know that the, probably the whole experience is the, where'd you get that suit at? Uh, there's this website called shinesty.com. Oh. I had seen them before and okay. I, and I just knew that like, it, I wasn't original. I think there was some other baseball player that went to the white house and wore the exact same suit, mm. but I had seen it and filed it away. How long did you have to think about it? Like I'm going to the white house. I need that suit. Well, that's what this article is about. So it's like, I only had five weeks to plan. And one of those weeks I was down at Black River Lodge so I couldn't really do anything. So I had three Shots weeks. out I had to three, Black River Shout Lodge. out to Black River Lodge. Pork shop night. <laughs> With ranch dressing. Uh, <laughs> only the real people know. Um, Both of us. So I had three weeks to develop like the booth plan and the idea of what I was going to do and, and make it happen. And so um, yada, yada, yada. Got it to happen. And I'll probably talk about this in a later podcast. Well, I don't mean, I don't mean to, to spoil it. I just, no, 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 no. You know, it, I'm starting to remember all the things that we were trying to plan to talk about in this podcast that we'll just have to do in another 10 episodes or 20 episodes from now. I am around. Well, we have stories, believe it or not, people yeah. that, that we're just now remembering. <laughs> but uh, it was it was quick. I had to just react on impulse. And the highlight was just being in the fucking White House. Honestly, oh it was yeah. insane. I bet. It was so cool. Well, that. seriously, congrats to you. Because, like, I saw people, like, on social media, like, like uh, you know, hate the president or, or all that stuff, yeah. like, railing on you. I mean, not railing, but ribbing you. I yeah, guess, which is better, I don't care. Yeah. yeah I told, but still, like, what you did, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a thing for a small business in St. Well, you Louis know, to, I don't know if I told you this, but, like, um, Chris Summers... Uh, you know, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Mutual friend who owns pie pizza and entrepreneur and is pretty, um, liberal. 
<laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. He, uh, um, he even reached out and was just like, congratulations. Like he served pizza to Obama back in 2008. Totally. Yeah. And, and went to the white house and cooked his pizza for Obama. And, um, he even recognized that it was like, Hey, this is cool. I once made a, a Totino's for Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst guest <laughs> so far. Twice running. So, <laughs> and, and what's ironic is that your first episode has the most listens. Oh God! Probably just because it's the oldest. Oh, it's the oldest one. And yeah. I and I put it out, and then I didn't do it. Literally, I put out our podcast, and then I got the email from the White House. You know what? And then I didn't have time to do any more fucking podcasts. It's it's, uh, it's, planets are aligned. (laughs) Well, they're like with guests like that. What's going to happen after this podcast then? I'm going to get an email from the Kremlin. After this one will (laughs) definitely be the next podcast. Putin. Putin's going to hit me up. He's listening. He's listening. (laughs) I hope so. Mm Mm-hmm. That Russian mofo. Um, I don't know. What else is new? What do you want to touch upon? I got to go eat dinner with my parents. Where are you going? <laughs> to the county. Pasta house? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. Cook of the year, 1994. I have to go do some um, uh, some some third grade homework. <laughs> <laughs> Math or English? Mostly spelling. Oh, okay. For my child, but mostly it's a good refresher. Oh, not for me. you, right? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Have you found? Have you gotten to the point with your son where the math homework? Oh, is? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, just I have no. no is like beyond you. It's not just. It's not just beyond me. It's the way they have to do it now. Yeah, is just stupid. Just insane. Like I don't even understand it. It's like. To add 30 plus 19, draw 19 boxes and then 30 boxes. What? And then color. It's just insane. This is crazy. Meanwhile, the Asians are flying past us. <laughs> oh, yeah. In in fifth grade, they're making uh, literal airplanes. <laughs> it's a long road. Yeah, we're still America. America. Yeah. Struggling. Spelling. <laughs> uh, well, I can't say this was the best podcast but it wasn't the worst. Any, any podcast with Kevin you could walk away from is a good one. <laughs> what, what does that even begin so to me? I love on. your jokes where they take like a, a minute or a, or a month you gotta let them, to they, get, you gotta they, let them marinate. They marinate. It's like Lowry's. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, the hyper local references are kicking in. All right, we should cut is this. Is Lowry's local? No, Lowry's seasoning? Yeah. Yes, it is. Is it? Well, props to them. If you guys, um, they could sponsor the podcast. I would love that. It would be great. I would love to read a Lowry's ad. There's no way Lowry's is local. Penzies. I'm thinking of Penzies. Oh, I should have plugged Penzies. Yeah. These terrible jokes. Got to get these spice ads. (sighs) Spicy. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to say until the indeterminable point in the future where you'll be on here again? I'll see you at 50. 50? (laughs) So we're not doing another podcast for years? Oh, well, we could. We could. I'll see you next week. We'll do two back-to-back. It'll be terrible. Uh, that would be terrible. Yeah. I wouldn't release it for a year. It's the, ar- <laughs> the archive. It's a time capsule. 
Well, I'm I'm glad we touched on Tom. Yeah. And um, you know, shout out to Tom Townsend and his family. Rest in peace, James Dixon. Yeah. Always. Yeah. The man. And uh, I don't know. Just be happy. Be happy that you're alive. Be happy that you're here. That you get to hang out with good friends, record podcast, and uh, hopefully have people listen. To them. <laughs> good luck with that last part. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I love you, man. I always appreciate your time. I always enjoy sitting down with you. Well, I thanks for having me. I uh, yeah, I gotta come up with more bear stories for next time. <laughs> May May Oriole. Mayor Oriole. May Oriole. Mayor Oriole. Yeah. All right, let's end this. See you guys. Bye. Ah, uh, graphic design with Mike Spakowski. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, we touched on the DC trip a bit uh, at the end, and I am working trying to get this article written. It is hard, though, no doubt. I read a lot now, and I'm just trying to make sure that what I'm writing is as entertaining as what I read. Easier said than done. Good grief. What else? What else? What else? Man, I don't know. Thanks for listening to this. Glad you made it to this point. I'll leave you with another quote from Vladimir Nabokov. Curiosity is insubordination in its purest form. Ooh, that's a good one. Think about Adam and Eve, the very first curiosity and how it was insubordination, how they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden for just being curious. Some chewy thoughts right there, something to chew on. Think about. All right, I'm done. Take it easy. Keep your nose clean. Keep your butt clean. Keep all the important parts clean, exercise, eat good food, make love, and stay curious, motherfuckers. Thanks for listening.